Hi, this is Cousin Vinny on the Cousin Vinny Network. That's C-U-Z-I-N-V-I-N-N-I-E Network. We're going to be doing multiple series of interviews from different individuals from different fields and professions and businesses to enlighten you, to entice you, to, I don't know, just make it fun. And some of it will be really, really serious. But again, we're going to bring individuals in that we feel that could be an aid and a help to you out there. Again, stay tuned to thecousinvinnynetwork.com. Welcome to the show. This is Cousin Vinny, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Well, today is Sunday, which is basically fun day, food day, and I've added a few more things like failures and some things about the future that I can see or maybe kind of conjure up or predict. So a little big background on let's talk about food today a little bit. My family immigrated from Italy in 1950. My dad worked at a little uh, delicatessen in, in Brooklyn, and then it ended up migrating out to Long Island in 1955. And we had a little Superette. It was called Pete's Superette from 1955 to 1965 when we sold it. Actually, it was about 66, 65, someplace in that in that era. I grew up in that delicatessen uh, as a young kid, did all kinds of odds and ends, you know, stock shelves, you know, took out the trash. And as I got older, I got to work in the deli and the meat department. So I had firsthand uh, experiences in a, in a deli. And it was kind of funny because I'd make my own sandwiches before I go to school. And I'd sit there and some of my classmates would go, gee, you really got a great looking sandwich. You want to trade? And I had peanut butter and jelly go, no, you're not getting my sandwiches. You want one? I'll make one for you and you know, I'll charge you for it. Eh. Anyway, from 55 to about 65, I'm sorry, 55 to about 65, 66, we had this little thing called Pete's Superette. We migrated to Florida in 1968. And uh, for a couple of years, my dad was doing developments and selling a lot of real estate and stuff. And he decided that it was time to open up a, an Italian deli uh, just outside of Crystal River, where we still live today. And the building's still there. Built it in 1974. Kept it until 79. Uh, it was basically uh, De Rosa Plaza. Uh, again, an Italian deli, but nine miles from nowhere. I mean, we were out of town, out outside of Crystal River, outside of Denellen. And people used to drive out to our place because we were one of the first places that made Italian uh, sandwiches. We imported stuff from uh, Orlando and Miami, all of our meats and cheeses before it became prevalent in the public supermarkets. Smurless Bakery from uh, Tarpon Springs used to bring us bread that was similar to the stuff that we could get from New York. So we were making Italian sandwiches and my mom would make the meatballs like we did in New York. And my dad would, we'd make sausages in, in our, our little uh, plaza deli there. And it was, you know, well known that we had very unusual Italian type treats that you couldn't get anywhere else. So again, that was part of my upbringing was in that deli business. And also in New York, prior to coming down, we had a little liquor store. So I had a little experience in that, but not much because I was still too young to to participate in that. So we had the deli until about 79. And uh, I just made a decision that I was going to transition from Crystal River to someplace else. I uh, had lived in Tallahassee for a while and didn't like the cold. So my brother had gone up to Gainesville and uh, so I followed him up there. We ended up, parents bought a house up there for us to live in because it was cheaper to buy a house than to rent one. And that was about 1979, 80. I was looking for something to do. I had hung my license with a Century 21 office in that town and was really not too keen on working for another broker. So I was putting my time in before I got my broker's license, my real estate broker's license. I was still a sales associate at the time, but I did get my broker's license while I was there in 1980. So we ended up... Uh, 
looking at things to do. And here was something I saw that there was a lack of. There were all kinds of bars in town, and all of them served alcohol, which I didn't want to deal with. And we had gone out a few times in the evenings looking at other places that were open at late at night. And they were called bottle clubs where you brought your own booze, they sold you the mixers, and they charged you a little cover charge to get in. And there were two or three of them in town. And one was like a biker bark, one was a I don't know what kind of a bar. And the third one was just like whatever that trend was going on in the 80s, the disco trend or whatever it might have been. It was just not suitable for what I was hoping to do. And so I uh, came across a property on Southwest 13th Street right on Bivens Lake, and it was a teen disco. And I had walked in, it was summertime, and they had a good crowd in there, but it was kids. And, and, and you know, you can't make a lot of money off the kids. So I said to the guy, you want to sell the place? He goes, no. Couple of school teachers. I came back again. No. Came back in September when school started. I said, You want to sell the place? And they go, Yeah. Gee, I wonder why. School was in. Kids were not coming because, you know, they got to go to school. They're not going to be out. They may come out one night a week, but you can't survive. So I sat down with my brother and I said, Look, I got an idea. We're going to call it late night before the late night show. I wish I'd have copyrighted that one. Another one of those failures. Um, and I said, We're going to offer it as a bottle club but kind of different and unique. We're not going to touch your bottle. Uh, you can touch it. It's all yours. We don't want to know how much you're pouring. You're responsible for your own booze. We're going to sell you the setups, uh, give you buckets of ice if you got beer so you can ice down your beer, provide you with uh, glasses if you have a bottle of wine. We'll charge you a corking charge, but you keep your own bottle. We don't want to touch it. So we called it late night. Uh, it did extremely, extremely well. Uh, it was the hot place in Gainesville. You know, from about eighty to eighty-three is the years I had my fingers in it, and it, it became the you know the 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 late night spot to go. Parking was an issue. We had limited parking in our parking lot, and the place was just jammed, constantly jammed with parking. So we had to go next door to the Italian restaurant and pay them for parking. Well, found out that the owner wanted to sell it, so we decided that we were going to buy it under one condition. It was that I was going to go undercover, like undercover boss before it became undercover boss, and have me go in as a dishwasher. And I worked there for about two, three weeks prior to us taking possession. No one knew that I was in the process of purchasing the restaurant, worked in the in the kitchen, and was able to watch all the activities that were going on that were kind of little, not very copacetic, let's put it this way. And I'd make comments that, you know, aren't you going to throw a couple of bucks in the till for what you're drinking and you're eating? Oh, no, no, the old man doesn't care. I said, okay, fine. Well, the day we closed on the building, I went up to the manager and said, uh, you're fired. He looked at me, he says, you're a dishwasher. I go, no, we just bought the place. You can leave. Thank you. Goodbye. Your services are no longer needed. And unfortunately, because of the media and the press, the uh, waitresses and staff went out in front and started picketing us because we were unscrupulously nasty new owners. So we caught a bad rap for basically, you know, firing people who were stealing from the previous owner and we didn't want it to continue. And we fought that battle for, you know, quite a while and it became unsurmountable so that at some point it was a family decision to basically just leave it go, just let it go, a failure. Well, it wasn't a failure. It was a, it was actually a, a pretty good lesson and um, it was just some insight into um, restaurants. So that was my food, some failure. And in the future, uh, you could never get me to own another restaurant. I'd rather eat one than own one. So what's the moral to all these stories, the, the food and the fun and the failure in the future? 
Well, in the food business, you know, it's, it's stressful. It's a lot of work, a lot of time. It has issues. Uh, it causes family problems. And in the middle of all this, uh, after I moved to Gainesville, I had gotten engaged, got married to a young lady, and she got involved in the dynamics of the, of the family. My brother at the time got involved with someone, so he had his significant other, and it became a, a real family thing. And, and unfortunately, that happens sometimes. And that's where some of the failures occurred. Having family sometimes really working close together doesn't work as well as, you know, you think. You think it's a, a support, but sometimes it could be a hindrance. So my episodes in the uh, nightclub uh, bar business kind of pretty much died after that. Said I'd never do it again. I've always said I'd rather eat in a restaurant than own one. And after that experience, absolutely. Every time I walk into a restaurant, I look at, at it from the point of view of an owner as to how can they make things better, um, looking at their service, their servers, uh, the way the building looks. You know, there's there's a lot of things. I'm a little more observant when I go into a, an establishment coming from that side of it, and I don't get upset when things don't go exactly, you know, the way it should be when you're sitting there waiting for dinner. I understand there's issues and there's problems, and everyone has those. So that's part of my field of expertise. So if ever you get the bug to want to own a restaurant, Call me. I'll talk you down. I will absolutely talk you down. Unless you're a franchise where you can control most of your activities, it's tough running a mom and pop, especially with family. I don't say it doesn't work. It does, but it's 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 a struggle. So those have been the fun days, you know, the food days, the failures, uh, and into the future. My future is looking really great. I'm enjoying life. What I'm doing now is back to my roots in the 70s when I was doing disc jockey, and I kind of love it again. So again, thanks for listening. I'm so glad you were here with me. This is Cousin Vinny, and we'll see you on the next episode on the Cousin Vinny. Podcast.